Welcome, everybody, to this fireside chat. I'm Michael Vincent. He is Sherman Barnes, head of marketing and sales at Trio Enterprises. Today, we're talking about the uh, state of the intermodal vertical um, and how we came out of COVID-19 and where we're moving forward. Sherman, welcome to the show. Thanks for being on here. Give everybody a little bit of background about uh, Trio Logistics. Okay. Okay. Uh, thank you for having me. Uh, my name is Sherman Barnes, and I'm the head of sales and marketing again for uh, Trio Enterprises. Uh, we're a $100 million uh, minority-owned provider of intermodal and uh, truckload solutions. Uh, we've been in the business for about 40 years, so we have a lot of experience working with uh, Fortune 100 clientele. And, um, you know, we get close to our customers, get next to them, and look at their supply chain network needs and figure out solutions to help them optimize for cost uh, and capacity. Um, you know, the opportunity in intermodal right now um, is definitely uh, tremendous. You just have to uh, think through how you're going to incorporate it within your uh, supply chain. Um, and that's something that I'm looking forward to speaking to you about today. Well, it's, I'm glad that you're here. Uh, I missed you uh, uh, being on uh, live TV last time you were in town, but thanks for stopping by Freight Alley. Uh, it was really nice to see you in person and talk to you and meet your your lovely wife as well. Let's get into... Um, Let's get into first a quick introduction of Trio Enterprises. What's Trio Enterprises? Uh, good deal. So we're a Cincinnati-based uh, transportation company that's focused on intermodal and truckload. Uh, we've been in business for about 40 years, uh, offering, again, intermodal uh, services. Uh, we're a minority-owned company. We do about $100 million in revenue. Uh, we work with several large accounts. Um, and our, our adage is, you know, we're just we're there to find some comprehensive solutions uh, to customers' needs. So we'll if, we, if it needs to move, Truckload, we have an op operation op opportunity for that, excuse me, and also for intermodal. Yeah, excellent stuff. So, Sherman, we met uh, over the phone and via email uh, a number of years ago when you were up in the great white north of, uh, uh, I think you were in Green Bay, right? So give us, give the people a little bit about your background and your experience in, in intermodal. Uh, absolutely. So I've been in the industry for about 16 years uh, with companies such as C.H. Robinson, uh, Landstar, uh, UPS. Um, Schneider and now with uh, Trio Enterprises. So I've been in the business for a while. Um, I've seen a lot of the um, movements in the market transitioning from truckload to intermodal and then back again and all of the vicissitudes uh, related to that. Um, so I also have my master's um, in supply chain and logistics as well uh, from University of Arizona. So I, I'm very passionate about this. I started in the business uh, with my dad um, working on the uh, weekends and during the summers um, you know, picking orders and delivering orders or whatnot um, um, and with a cherry picker in a warehouse. So um, I've been in love ever since and, and been in it ever since. Yeah, and logistics is kind of like it's, it's one of those things that you fall into and you just you can never really quite get rid of it. Right. You just, yep. You're, you're yep. Stuck. Yep. I, got, I got stuck right after right after uh, college. And uh, I'm happy to be here 34, 34 years, 34 plus years. So it, it's great. But in my lifetime, I've, I've never. Um, I've brokered intermodal, right? So I've had people ask me to brokerage it for them and I've done that. And I've also brokered it for myself in assets, actually moving freight when service timeframe wasn't of the essence, right? And save a few bucks, uh, moving stuff across the country when it was, uh, you know, inventory replenishment, uh, uh, hospitality refurb, like inventory type of thing that I could have a couple of, of, of in, uh, moves moving quickly. And then the subsequent moves didn't have to be quite so fast, right? So I moved through there. But what are some of the things that you wish that, that guys like me during those times knew more about Intermodal to sell it to our customers? Um, 
Well, there, there was a transition when I got into intermodal, particularly um, where we offer intermodal as a consistent solution versus as a broker solution. So we're working with the UP, with the CSX, um, and with the NS. And so think about intermodal. How do I operate it uh, from a consistent perspective versus just a, I don't have a truck available to cover this load. And so therefore, I'm going to transition it to intermodal. Um, instead, I'm coming to a customer. I'm looking at their network. I'm mapping their network out and seeing where the opportunities may be at. And then I'm going to uh, basically look at my intermodal network and see where there are opportunities at within the intermodal network and see uh, where there may be some synergies where uh, if, if your supply chain or whatnot can handle it, the transit times, then we can organize it in such a way where you can transition some of the full truckload opportunities to intermodal opportunities. And that'll provide you with not only a lower cost, uh, potentially, but also with additional capacity so that you're not messing around with having to deal with brokers and different things like that. So um, I, I know exactly what you mean. I did that earlier in my career when I only use it as an option for additional capacity. And, you know, and, uh, you know, I, I would tell the customer, hey, I got additional capacity from an intermodal perspective. But instead, when I started working for IMCs, um, as well as for the Schneiders of the world or whatnot, um, at that point, I'm offering it as a solution in and of itself. Um, that a person can, um, if they can figure out how to make their supply chain work with it, which most of them can, um, then there's an opportunity for cost savings and additional capacity and, and um, also improve, improve security. Uh, because when it's double stacked, for example, um, it's, it's within the well, so they can't open the door and they can't open the door on the top. So it's also provi some provided uh, security as well from that perspective. Okay, excellent, excellent. Are there common misperceptions that people have uh, about intermodal that uh, you'd like to dispel right now? Yes, that it takes, you know, weeks at a time to get, uh, that the transit is still slow. Uh, the transit is not as slow as it's been, you know, 20 years ago. Uh, ago. Uh, the railroads made a ton of investments in infrastructure and the way that they organize their business. So they're able to get uh, the products uh, from door to door fairly quickly. Again, it depends on each customer. It's not going to be quite as fast as truckload, but in some lanes, it's very comparable. Um, another thing that I think about is that um, the, the, the distance now, um, is smaller. So only if it was over a thousand miles or 800 or, you know, 1200 miles, whatever it may be, then people will look at intermodal as a, as a good solution. Well, now there are other lanes where it may be smaller, like within that six, 700 range or whatnot, where intermodal can be a real comparable solution uh, from a transit time um, perspective. So that's, that's something that I hear uh, quite often. So whenever I'm talking to a customer that's primarily using truckload, uh, those are some of the things that I share with them about intermodal that have changed. Yeah, that's awesome. So, you know, we talk about uh, really ad nauseum about truckload, air cargo, maritime, uh, and the disruptions that have happened over, you know, the past 18 months, right? What is, let's get into some of the current affairs and some of those things in, in intermodal that, that, that we kind of gloss over every once in a while. What were some of the biggest hurdles that you saw over the last 18 months? Uh, over the last 18 months, um, and particularly more recently during COVID and everything, uh, capacity has been really challenged with what's going on, you know, to your point uh, with Asia and things coming in, um, being stuck at the ports. Um, there's not enough uh, drayage capacity. Uh, there's not enough intermodal capacity. I mean, it's really been a constrained market. So you have to get really surgical about uh, what specific lanes may make sense. Um, it may not make sense to come from, uh, if your freight's coming from the West Coast, what, what port is better than another port? You know, you're really having to get surgical about where specifically you have need and where the, where the intermodal network 
will fit within that, not only based upon their network now, but also on some of the challenges that we've seen with lack of dredge capacity. Um, and, and the dredge capacity challenge is not only just in the West Coast, as people may think primarily, it's literally everywhere. Um, in Savannah, South Carolina, like anywhere um, that I've had opportunities to even just move dredge uh, freight for 20 foot or 40 foot of ocean containers or whatnot. Um, it's, it's really constrained from that perspective. So if you're gonna do it and get into it, um, you definitely need to pre-plan and think about it and have that discussion and come up with a with a solution to make sure uh, that you're going to have that capacity there when you, when you need it. All right, Sherman. So going through those different hurdles, obviously the demand on intermodal was there, and we've seen a lot of fluctuations. We've seen, uh, uh, you know, cutting off services recently to try and get the containers, uh, uh, those intermodal containers, repositioned exactly right. And we saw that, and we called it kind of like uh, market fragmentation in in truckload. Um, the interesting thing about intermodal is it isn't just rail cars, right? And it isn't just air. It isn't just trucks. They, they interact with those things, right? So um, how important is that visibility between the different modes when you're looking at a solution with intermodal? Uh, well, I think that, again, you know, visibility uh, is critical when you're dealing with different modes. It's called intermodal, you know, for a reason, because uh, it's different partners coming together in order to execute on that load. Uh, so with that speaking, uh, visibility is critically important. Uh, also in line of with what happened with COVID and some of the challenges in the supply chain and the constraints in the market or uh, limited amounts of inventory, our customers have to know at any given time where their material may be um, so that they can pre-plan for it. Um, it's one thing to have challenges in the market and perhaps delays in shipping, um, unfortunately, may happen or what whatnot. But to not be able to communicate with them effectively on what's going on with them, where the product is, and what we're doing to overcome that is even worse. So, so the visibility piece is, is, is critical. I don't even get involved uh, with an account if I can't offer an opportunity for visibility for them to see exactly where their freight's going to be. Because I just know, particularly now in the environment and the way that the market is, um, they, they're going to need that so that they can plan their um, and, and adjust their supply chain as needed. Yeah, that's a, and that's a great point. So let's talk about that for just for just a minute. Let's expand on that on on what you bring to those those customers, right? Let's talk about it from a, a consultative type of uh, approaches. Uh, sell me. I'm I'm a shipper. I need to use different modes of transportation. I need to use intermodal. When I speak to you, Sherman, what are you telling me? What's your advice to me as far as, as jumping into this? As far as looking how to set that up and what partners I need in intermodal. Yeah, well, the first thing I'm going to hone in on is uh, your warehouse structure and how long it's like what type of business you have. And what I mean is, is it just in time material um, that you need um, or is it areas where you can stock up more inventory, which means that we have a little bit more time um, in delivering to your end customers. So that's something that I would want to ascertain with you is, you know, because if, if it's like just in time freight and it has to get there or else it's going to be tons of penalties and you're going to miss out on, you know, you know, millions of dollars worth of sales. Perhaps I wouldn't steer you to intermodal, um, but if it's situations where it's an additive to some additional product or corrugated boxes or, you know, just depending on what the product is and if you can stack up that inventory and um, those um, that slower transit, if you will, will not hurt you as much, then perhaps that's something that I will offer you as a, as a solution to take a look at intermodal. So oftentimes, again, I'm taking truckload opportunities and I am um, determining the volume um, of that business for that said client. I am also then taking a look at, you know, is it just in time and all of those parameters and seeing and overlapping their volume and their lanes and their network uh, with the intermodal network that I have with the UP, with the CSX and whatnot, 
in determining whether or not the transit times will work, what lines, what lanes may potentially work. So some lanes, you know, will have, uh, you know, lanes that will rate as a one, which, you know, those are right in network. They're right in that sweet spot for Intermodal. I think this will be a great lane, you know, but lane number two, you know, uh, but lanes that we have a two, that, that's just our own internal metrics. Um, they could make sense, but the transit time may be a little bit longer and it may not be something that you want to do. And then the third are ones that we just, you know, don't suggest. But sometimes, believe it or not, people not only take the ones and the twos, sometimes they take the threes. It depends on how um, how behind they are within their supply chain and how desperate they are in need of capacity that some people are doing it as a pure play. So initially when Intermodal, when I was selling Intermodal in the beginning, I was selling it as an alternative um, really for cost savings because it's going to be cheaper than truckload. Um, but now that's not even always the case. Sometimes it's just about providing additional consistent capacity. Even if it takes a little bit longer, I can still time my watch by it and make sure it gets there. And then I can plan my supply chain that way. So uh, that's that's kind of at a high level how I talk to clients about Intermodal. Um, and, and when I, I'm not trying to really sell them on it, I'm basically advising them on it's a potential option. Let's take a look at it with data. Let's look at your volume. Let's look at your, you know, uh, you know, do you get penalties for late delivery or whatnot? That could work for you. Excellent. So if I'm hearing you correctly, what you're saying really is if I'm a shipper, no matter what my business is, I should look into this and at least give Sherman Barnes a call and say, hey, look at my stuff. Can I get better, consistent or even cheaper service if I at least mix some intermodal into my logistics and my supply chain? Yes, absolutely. I, I would advise everyone uh, to take a look at it. And again, you know, 20 years ago, 30 years ago, intermodal was different. Uh, there have been a lot of changes that have happened, um, as you know, about precision railroading and all these different things that have happened. Um, and and, and it's, it's not your grandfather's uh, intermodal anymore. So uh, check it out as a, as a viable option. A lot of customers are using it successfully. Um, and it's not only, again, providing them with that cost, um, it's, it's providing them with that safety and protection, as well as with that capacity. We've, we've seen the, the really uh, the, the older intermodal that was there that we talked about where I brokered it. And, and you, you were in that you were in that game as well when you were first in there as well. And, and the different uh, hurdles and the challenges and its role throughout the pandemic has been has been has been great. And there's been challenges through there. But uh, and now it is this this service that really everybody should be looking at and embracing because it has its place in almost every supply chain. Is the industry, uh, what's the current straight state of the industry? Is it healthy? Is it recovering? Is it weakening? Is it, is it getting stronger? Is it, is it you feel like you've launched off a pad? Where do you feel the industry is at right now? There is a ton of opportunity um, in intermodal, truckload as well, of course, but within intermodal, um, the challenge is, um, you know, depending on how your freight behaves, you know, getting access to that intermodal capacity um, it, it, it's, it's, it's challenging. So it's definitely recovering, but, you know, from a price perspective, from a capacity perspective, um, going into Q20, you know, Q2020, Q2 2022 is before I'm going to see anything really letting up. Some people say Q1, some people say Q2. Um, it's just really still a lot of uncertainty and challenges. And obviously, again, not only in intermodal, but in truckload, uh, you know, ocean freight, everything. It, it's still a lot of uncertainty. Uh, so I don't want to make it seem like it's a magic pill, uh, but it's definitely worth looking at. And if the volume is there and it makes sense, then you can get access to the capacity, but you're, you're going to have to pay for it more than you would have historically uh, before the COVID situation and everything uh, took place. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, 
there's a lot of ships with a lot of containers that are backing up at the ports. And yeah. a lot of those containers are going to hit the intermodal <laughs> and start yeah. and start moving, right? So there's there's capacity issues. Yeah, all of my customers are talking about they got a they have a lot of freight um that's coming in, anticipation for peak season and you know, Christmas and all of those things, and they don't see it letting up at all. Um going and this is going, you know, into Q twenty two, two thousand twenty two. Q2 2023, I mean, excuse me, 2022, uh, they see it continuing to increase. Uh, so I, I, I really don't see it uh, end in sight right now based on my just my personal uh, belief uh, from talking to different people that are within the industry, within other transportation companies, as well as to our customers who are some really large, you know, Fortune, um, you know, 100 clients. Yeah, and that's, uh, you know, you're, you're certainly uh, um, in line with the people that I speak to as well. I wouldn't suspect anything, anything different. So let's talk about, uh, you know, the future for demand for it is strong. We know that right now it's a great uh, alternative. As we look at uh, the infrastructure bill, okay, and we look at some of the things that, that are in there and, and not within the bill, but some of the, um, uh, the review of the infrastructure and some of the, the house requests or the requests that came down to look into different things. Intermodal was, was it was in there talking about uh, switching, which is a term that I really didn't understand uh, uh, before I started looking into that and moving, you know, free switching between lines, et cetera, which is concern for some uh, customers uh, might like it because they think they have more freedom with it. But uh, we've gone through the operations and the inefficiencies of, of I guess, and that could be uh, there from that switching. Do you see uh, anything within the infrastructure bill or within any of those other guidance as the, the president has ordered the review of supply chain uh, as positive or negative to the future of, of Intermodal? Um, I think ultimately it's going to be positive. Um, you know, historically, as you're looking at, you know, infrastructure, you know, uh, investment, you know, that happened, you know, several years ago, as you know, um, we did see increases in productivity in, in the general economy. And so I anticipate that happening um, as well in intermodal based on some of the tidbits of information I haven't like, you know, extensively read through the bill. But I definitely think it's going to help increase uh, productivity um, with the intermodal networks, which will bode well for shippers that are planning on using intermodal. Um, you know, I also think as well it's going to create some challenges because um, with intermodal, again, you're also dealing with that dredge component, which means you have to have a dredge driver. Um, and, and historically, again, you know, the driver shortage, we always talked about the long haul guys, you know, going a thousand miles overnight. Well, now, as you know, uh, that, that shortfall is also with dredge guys that are, you know, can do three drays per, you know, per driver per day and be home every night. And there's still a challenge there. And so, you know, I actually read an article even from you guys, and I've been talking about it with other people, uh, just about how, you know, construction, um, those opportunities, you know, they're, they're going to pay well. Um, and construction is something that, you know, uh, people may take as an option over trucking. So I yep. think that's going to cause a bit of a challenge there, not only, again, from a trucking perspective, but also from an intermodal perspective. So it'll it'll be interesting to see what goes on there. Uh, driver pay will probably go up, but I think it's going to cause some some challenges as we try to recalibrate and figure out what that means. But uh, overall, I, I, I'm a believer in it. You know, I'm, I'm a capitalist, so I'm not really big on government just, you know, spending money free and fast. But um, in terms of infrastructure, that is an investment that historically, you know, we can look at the data uh, from years, years gone by uh, that that did increase productivity and, um, you know, and GDP and stuff. So I think it'll be good overall. 
Yeah, I, I, I agree with you. I think a, a lot of people's uh, eyes were open to the fact that the infrastructure and the health of supply chains are very, very important to the health of the nation in the future and the security uh, of a nation uh, as, as well. Thank you so much, Sherman, for being here. We're, we're about out of time. Tell people where do they go to get in touch with you uh, and, and learn more about uh, Intermodal and the solutions that you guys have at uh, Trio Enterprises? Uh, great. So you can visit uh, www.trioenterprises.com. Um, our information is there. Um, but also, I'm very active on LinkedIn. Uh, perhaps the easiest way is just to reach out to me on LinkedIn, uh, send me a message, and let's get together and have a discussion about what Intermodal may be able to do uh, for your supply chain needs. Excellent stuff. Thank you so much, Sherman, my friend. I can't wait to see you again in, in person. Uh, peace and love and, and, and take care. Uh, thank you, everybody, for, for watching this. Please stay tuned for more great content during the Intermodal Summit.